There's another podcast you should be listening to, TED Health, a podcast from the TED Audio Collective. Join host Dr. Shoshana Ungerleiter as she introduces you to leading health experts and breaks down the health questions you didn't know you had. Learn more about the way your body works and the newest insights changing the medical world, like what a smart bra means for better heart health, three ways to prepare for the next pandemic, and how we can all live healthier lives. Find TED Health wherever you listen to podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Sandy. He's a Mumbai-based webcomic artist who has a benign brain tumor, depression, and bipolar. Let's talk about it. All right, guys, we're hanging out with Sandy all the way from Mumbai, India. Amazing. I've got a question for you. Being a resident of yes, Mumbai, do you say Mumbai or do you say Bombay? Um, I say both, to be honest. <laughs> okay, so what, it's interesting. I think if you're from Mumbai, people say Mumbai. If you're not, then people say Bombay. Uh, okay, interesting. Okay, good to know. I am not from Mumbai, and I said Mumbai. <laughs> so I guess good. that makes me... Wow. <laughs> I guess that makes me from Mumbai, kind of from Mumbai. You know, (laughs) there you go, Uh, Sandy. (laughs) You are uh, you are you're an artist, um, uh, like a professional graphic uh, designer, illustrator, web comic artist, um, under the alias Sand Serif. Um, I've seen some of your stuff; it's very cool. Um, And uh, you're here to talk to us today about um, mental health in general, but also you have a benign brain tumor. I do. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. It's a, been about five years since I've found out. So give us, okay. Give us a little rundown. Um, I, I feel like, I feel like the three of us kind of have a general sense of what that means, but maybe there's someone listening who, you know, brand new, to the podcast, haven't heard the words benign, doesn't even know what a tumor means. Uh, what, <laughs> what is, what's the difference? What is a benign tumor? What does that, what does that mean? In the most simplest words, I can just say it's a sleeping cancer. <laughs> um, it's a patch of my brain that's uh, growing a tumor. I guess people know what a tumor is. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now, benign means it's just asleep and it's not growing. And I also named it, and its name is Timmy. <laughs> <laughs> Timmy? <laughs> Yes. Why the tumor? Yeah. Okay. I was, I was like, that. why Timmy? But I get it now. The alliteration. That's great. I think. I think one thing that I got. Is, I had to make a comic about it. <laughs> that's why I chose that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. That that's really interesting. Yeah. I'd love. I'd love to talk about that comic. Um. But but the thing that strikes me first too is I think one of the earliest things that I learned on the podcast is, um, when somebody has a benign brain tumor, that you know, you might say that to somebody who, who doesn't understand or they just learned what the word benign means and they're like, oh, it's a sleeping tumor. So like that, like they might think that's not mm-hmm. a bad thing. It's asleep. Like it, it's not going to do anything. It's sleeping. But <laughs> one of the things that that um, I learned early on this on this podcast is that even benign brain tumors can be really um, dangerous and, and, and cause a lot of yeah. challenges, particularly because um, even if they're not uh, cancerous, 
they can still grow and then push up against things that can then obviously cause a lot of problems um, in your brain. What is that? What has your experience been like with a benign brain tumor? So in the gist of it, um, any benign tumor can at any moment turn malignant, which is when it starts growing. Um, for me, I think when I was 20, uh, that was the first time I had uh, a seizure. And uh, that was like around the, around October, December, around that time. And then I was like, I just fainted, I guess. I don't know what that was. Uh, and I told my parents about it and they're like, oh, okay, that's weird. But that was about it. And we didn't talk much about that because nothing else happened for a few months. And then I kind of had a fever and I was like, unwell. And I was in bed and I just sat up and I had a very conscious seizure. So I was like, oh, this is a thing that's happening to me. Hmm. Uh, then I had to tell my mom, like, this happened. We need to get a check. And the funny part is the doctor was. I mean, I guess it's it's like for for her, um, like her being sentimental and being like, I guess not wanting to tell me on my face like you have a brain tumor. She was like, yeah, there's a there's a swelling in your uh, in your head. And I'm like, okay, uh, <laughs> what am I supposed to do about that? Like, what is like, what does that mean? Tylenol. So then she's just like, yeah, Tylenol. Uh, <laughs> um, She's just like, oh, I, I'm guessing you have to go to a surgeon and get it checked. But if the seizures keep happening, here are some medicines. Um, and I'm like, cool. And they did happen a bunch of times. Like mal seizures. Mal seizures, again, to explain, are like uh, the seizures when you go unconscious and you're, you have fits, you shake a lot, mm-hmm. and you can't really speak for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so those kept happening and then we had to be like, okay, let's go to a surgeon. We spoke to the surgeon. He just saw my scans and stuff. And the first thing he said was, get a surgery right now. <laughs> like get that shit removed or like let us, you know, try and um, see what, what the fuck is going on because we don't know what uh, level it's on yet. Is that how um, is that how doctors in Mumbai talk? Are they like, get this shit removed? We don't know what the fuck's going on. <laughs> I, <laughs> wish, dude, I wish they did. <laughs> You're like, speaking my language. <laughs> like, wow, culturally, it seems so much more cool over there. <laughs> yeah. That was this old ass guy being like, yes, get it. Get the surgery. We, we shall see what happens. I'm like, all right. Uh, <laughs> schedule it for the next month. And uh, yeah, just went with it because he was pretty he's like you know if you want to leave the room you can i'm like no i'm fucking 21 at this point i don't really care you just tell me i'm an adult like (laughs) i can handle news do you mean like that that he was saying if you want to leave the room and i can talk to your parents talk to my parents yeah yeah oh interesting because they're like in india especially people are very um like they care more about to the parents than the kids right like, oh, you're a child, you you won't get it, or, you know, it'll be hard for you. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's hard for me and for my parents, but, like, it's happening to me, not them. Yeah, I need right. to know first, right? right. And you are uh, an adult at this point, like, very clearly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's the, the dude was old as fuck, so, like, he had that mentality. I'm like, no, just, I'm going to sit here. 
just go ahead and like tell me the whole thing. Mm. He's like, yeah, it's a brain tumor and you need to get it removed. Let's schedule it for next month if you can. I'm like, sure, let's do, let's go for it. And uh, I don't know, I was weirdly calm about it. I'm like, oh yeah, all right. Uh, which is kind of funny because uh, like at almost a year or pro- properly, I think a year before I got the news, I was like depressed as fuck and suicidal. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I want to kill myself. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, okay, I guess I won't. And then my brain is like, psych. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take care of it. <laughs> I'll do it for you. <laughs> yeah. Be- I'm like, oh, lol. Before we before we get into like like the surgery, um, I just want to take it back a little bit. You were saying how you had a um a conscious seizure. Um, geez, say that five times fast. Conscious seizure. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. I know. Conscious seizure. Um, what does what is that like? I I you know I've I've seen I've seen people have seizures before, um, and I think I've only really yeah. seen the seizures where the person is not conscious, where you know the eyes roll in the back of their head, they fall down to the ground. And they'll like they'll writhe around for a little bit, yes. and then they come to, and they're really confused. So, what is it? What does a conscious seizure look like, and and feel like? I've been asked this question so many times, and it's so hard to explain. They're like, is it painful? I think mean, no, it's not painful, but like every synapse in your head is kind of going off, and it's very hard to explain in English or in any language because it's it's a very strange feeling and it doesn't have a word. Uh, it's like your head is exploding, but it's not painful. It's just like a lot going on and your senses are kind of overwhelmed and you're just like stuck waiting for it to pass. And then you pass out for mouth seizures, that is. Um, at this point in my life, I get like a mini seizure is what I call it. Um, almost every month and I have a lot of meds for that um, but whenever I get those I'm like conscious and I'm like okay I'm gonna have a seizure one minute prior I was I'm like okay I'm gonna have a seizure I go and sit down I take a med if it helps if it doesn't I just like sit through it it lasts for like 20 seconds but I just like hold my tongue and like not bite my tongue mm-hmm. that's the main part of it and try not to pass out pretty much but mm. otherwise i'm just like all right that's over now and once it's over i cannot speak for like two minutes mm. like wow. words don't word you know what i'm saying yeah. <laughs> like i never say something and it comes out different i'm like what the fuck did i just say <laughs> <laughs> right so, so you just like well, give me two minutes i'm just gonna so you can you can hey, tell ahead, you can tell that it's going to happen before it before actually anything happens you can kind of feel that it's on its way. It's called an aura, isn't it? There's like a, oh, right. a, an aura is like a, a, right. a, a sort of a thing that you that you sense or see or feel. It's it's a sense before mm. the oncoming you know storm. Yeah, this only started after I got the surgery. So ah, once okay. I started getting seizures post surgery, I uh, I had this like feeling of like. A bunch of synapses go off and I'm like, okay, I'm going to have a seizure. And my vision goes a bit like wide angle. I don't know how to explain it. It's just like I <laughs> zoom out and I'm like, whoa, okay. 
like a mushroom trip. <laughs> yeah, it's very I mean, hard to explain. It, but. it is kind of like a mushroom trip. Like, yeah, you, it's like, like a trip. It is like I've, a trip. I've never, yeah. I've never yeah. heard of someone put it that way. Like, my vision goes wide. Like, my my vision goes <laughs> yeah. like Dolby Digital. <laughs> like, you know, I was, I was watching. <laughs> I was watching. Um, I was watching the uh, the stage of the Giro d'Italia today. The bike race, big bike race that's on right now. That I've been subjecting. Well, <laughs> Jer- Brian likes it. I'm subjecting Jeremy to it unwillingly, but. There was a they, like a part of the a part of watching like a big bike race is that there's always like these cuts to like really epic scenery, especially when they're in Italy and France, and they're in the mountains right now. And they just had this they were they were they were uh, taking a helicopter shot of this uh, World War One fort that was like at the peak of a mountain, like way up, like twenty five hundred meters, and and the fort was staying completely still in focus while the mountains behind were gigantic and then they just started getting smaller and smaller. Do you know that, you know that a camera effect? Like yeah. lens, yeah. And, and, it, and, and it just went like, and yeah. there's a part of you that it like I, almost makes you feel sick. That's kind of what it's like. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, then, and then Taylor had a seizure right after that scene. It was fucking wild. I think what's happening there, I, I, think, I think technically what's happening there, I could be wrong, but I actually think what's happening there is, is zooming out or zooming in on something like the lens is zooming out or zooming in while the camera is getting physically closer or further away from the object. Mm, so it's like yeah. it's it's a, a lens shift okay. with the camera itself moving. So like because which is a fucking the, very like disorienting right. view. Yeah. It, it's uh, it's used in like horror movies all the time, right? You yes. look down a long hallway yeah. and there's a subject in the long hallway, and as the camera pulls back, they're zooming towards the the subject, which makes makes the the subject kind of stay in place, but the hallway almost seems like it starts to become infinite in space. There's that weird, like, atmospheric sound that's like, whoa. Yeah. T- yeah. 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 And, and that <laughs> is what happens <laughs> every time Sandy has is about to have a seizure. It's a, a horror movie <laughs> in wha- real life. Yeah. Inception. <laughs> that's right. Yes, we're related. Hans Zimmer is always involved. So that's, that's uh, that is, I mean, when I think about surgery, I, I've, I've had, a, I've had, I was talking about this with my my partner the other day. Like I've had a number of surgeries where I've gone under and none of them in my mind have been like super intense, like, like super invasive. Even when I think about my hemicolectomy, which was 75% of my large intestine removed, that's not really, that's not, especially today because it's a laparoscopic surgery. It's not that invasive. Like it doesn't, if I took my shirt off and you looked at the scars on my body, you're not going to see, you're not going to know that I had fucking yeah. almost, almost, you know, almost my entire colon removed. Mm-hmm. But when I think of surgeries like open heart surgery or like a surgery to have like a double lung transplant or brain surgery, like those are the three that I can think of where I go, man, that's a fucking gnarly invasive surgery you gotta open your skull yeah so like with with the surgery that you had i'm assuming i don't know maybe maybe i'm wrong but like did they open your skull up in like a pretty big way they absolutely did uh so what they do is uh i'll tell you the whole story you know story format but yeah what they do for these surgeries is they drill holes um like like a polygon and then cut between the holes remove that part, keep it aside and start working and then put it back with some 
kind of liquid. I don't know what it is. Skull glue. Post. <laughs> yeah, skull glue. And post the skull glue, once it starts healing and shit, you can feel like a dent. And in my head, like everyone that has had a brain surgery has a dent in their head for sure. Huh. And I think they also kind of fucked up while <laughs> putting it back because it wasn't properly aligned. And now there's like a like little dent and it's annoying, but I've learned <laughs> to live with it. <laughs> But yeah, in a story format, uh, the way this went down, okay, I was in the hospital the day before doing all these tests, um, blood work and whatever else they want to do. And I'm sitting in my bed. Something really weird happened, which I uh, kind of mentioned in my comic as well. I'll link that to you guys. But uh, this dude came in with like a razor or like this uh, electric razor and he's like, take your pants off. I got a shave your balls and I'm like what the fuck <laughs> you're like oh is wow. this surgery happening like, like do they go in through my scrotum <laughs> exactly that's a very they were long like, way to do it but raw, okay. wrong brain we're doing a different brain surgery did, my friend I did not expect that I did not that's a big brain <laughs> wait why did they shave your balls honestly I still have no idea <laughs> No, no. Stop it. Was it? I feel like he must have just been. I feel like he must have just fucked up. He thought that they were. He thought that they were. He thought that you had fucking ball cancer. I mean, if I had to guess, I would have guessed it was in case I needed a catheter if something went wrong. Okay, okay. Um, But they shaved like a shorts worth of my leg hair and balls. And there's this dude doing it. Like a dude's touching my balls and penis. And I'm like, oh God, what, what's happening? Because I'm, I'm not, I'm very straight just to put it out there. So I was just like, oh God, this is happening. And there was like a small curtain. Passed it for my parents and my partner at the time. Uh, <laughs> like my ex. And they were all just looking at me and laughing. And I'm like, kill oh me. <laughs> oh my goodness. God, that is really funny. <laughs> And and my favorite part is is that you still don't know why. I know (laughs) because I feel like like when you're in the hospital and and somebody is like, I mean, I I feel like the for the average person, there's so much going on that you aren't really privy to really exactly why they need to do that. Like they come in and they whatever they take your blood or whatever, and and you're and and you're like, well, I don't really know why you're taking my blood, but I'm assuming that it's important for a certain reason or you're mm-hmm. doing this test because you need to know something. And so when someone comes in, they're like, you need to do this. Uh, there must be a, just off. a really big part of you. That's like, <laughs> Oh, <God. laughs> it okay. seems strange, but okay. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, very that's... embarrassing, but inherently very funny. <laughs> yeah. Did like after the fact, <laughs> I mean, just to skip like forward for just a second before we then continue on with the brain surgery. Yeah. Did it ever, in hindsight, were you like, oh, so maybe, bec- maybe then this happened, which like kind of fits with the whole ball shaving uh, saga? Or was it just like they no. never oh. did anything and you just had, you, you just, you, they, you just got a complimentary Brazilian? Yeah, I'm just like, I still don't know why. And it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. I, Taylor, I thought you were about to ask, I legitimately thought you were going to ask when everything was said and done, were you kind of like, 
This I is, like this look. <laughs> this, is a, this is a nice look. <laughs> hey, I started shaving my legs recently. I I know, know, that's that's what I thought you were going to ask. It's not, a bad, it's not a bad look. I, I did do that as well later on, so mm, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. But no, it, I still don't know why. It's, it's a mystery, and it always will be. So they, they prep you for surgery, and it, again, it's brain surgery. You told us that they take out this, like, chunk. And, and uh, for context... Any of our Canadian listeners who are above yes. the age of 25 will know exactly what I'm talking about. Any okay. of our Canadian listeners who are younger than 25 probably still might even know what I'm talking about. Any of our listeners from India that are listening right now because of, you know, of you will have no fucking clue what I'm talking about. Yeah. But there was this thing when we were kids <laughs> that came on TV and it was called Canadian Heritage Moments. And they were they I were I was so curious as to where you were going with they that. They were they were commercials. <laughs> they were like commercials that would play in between television shows. I've been thinking about this since the start of the yes. conversation. Okay, and, yeah. and they oh, and they were right. they were commercial <laughs> they were commercials that they weren't commercials that were like an advertisement for anything. It was literally just like a, a PSA, like a public service announcement for a a part of oh, yeah. Canadian history to like to be proud of our country for whatever reason, right? I guess it's like, it's kind of like, it's kind of propaganda. propaganda. Yeah. So one of the, and, and they were very <laughs> quotable. They were, they were like incredibly quotable. We grew up on them. We were quoting them all the time. And there was one that played that, that's still in my mind sticks out today. And it was this woman in her kitchen and she, she's in Montreal and she's, she says to her partner, I smell burnt toast. And then she faints. She has a seizure. And the next scene is her in um, having brain surgery with Dr. Penfield, with Dr. Penfield, Dr. Penfield's a big name in Canada and like Canadian history. And Dr. Penfield is performing brain <laughs> surgery on this woman and she's awake and he's pro- poking and prodding her brain. Oh, yeah. Asking her questions while she's awake. And eventually he pokes like one place and she says, Dr. Penfield, I smell burnt toast. And they like figured out, oh, this is where the seizures are coming from, yada, yada, whatever. So, we, we said I smell burnt toast a lot. We, we, I smell burnt toast is like, is like a quote that everybody, everybody in Canada says. So my question, that's a long-winded way of it asking was, this question, which is when you went in for surgery, were you awake? And what the fuck is that process like? Very f- interesting story. So uh, just prior to this, uh, okay, this is just funny. Because I, I have to say it, this woman comes in and she's like, "So uh, I'm gonna give you some injections uh, for tomorrow's surgery. Um, it'll make the pain from 100% to 90." And I'm like, "Wow, thanks. That really helps." Ten <laughs> percent. Get these fucking. <laughs> like, wow, ten percent. It's amazing. It's gonna be. So I was like, "How painful is it?" And she's like, "Um, uh, it's uh." it's okay you'll manage i'm like okay got it don't <laughs> say anything more and uh then next day i'm on the table um they had to poke i mean they had to inject my fucking head from here all the way like i don't know how many like 12 maybe all basically, the way to the back so for like people, for people that are listening it's basically like the shape of a halo around around your head like a crown like injected around the, kind of yeah, yeah. and they're freezing like a, it like a yeah, like a bigger crown, mm. kind of yeah. Okay. But the injections themselves are so fucking painful. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Other than they reach your like the back of your head, 
like a day to the back of my head and I was just bawling and I'm like oh my fucking god this hurts <laughs> she's like what, why are you crying I'm like this hurts <laughs> do I, I need to justify and I'm just like out yeah <laughs> yeah I'm yeah. just like I have a panic attack I'm crying I'm like oh, this hurts like a bitch I'm what I do and then I just pass out what do they give me I'm like good and then I wake up and uh, and they told me before that you're gonna wake up in the middle of surgery we're gonna ask you a few questions oh. you're gonna reply or respond or and also move your um, right hand and right leg because my tumor is near places that involve my right hand my right leg and speech okay um, they, they, and they're, doing the, they're doing the doctor penfield so was, surgery that's actually yeah yeah, yeah it, it was that exactly when you're talking about it i'm like yeah that's me <laughs> did you smell so, burnt toast i didn't smell burnt toast but you know <laughs> no i didn't <laughs> wish i did <laughs> i was just so like drugged up uh so when i woke up i'm just like uh, uh, i'm awake and uh the really weird part of this entire process was it put this mechanism over your head, right? To keep your head still. So you don't yeah. move during surgery because that's bad, clearly. Sure. You have stuff yeah. in your head. So yeah. uh, the weird thing about the this, whatever the fuck this mechanism is, is that it has these prongs that just like really sharp poking prongs that just like keep your head in place. And they're like, don't move because if you do, it'll cut you. And I'm just like, what, what is the point of this? Like, is that like a threat <laughs> to not move? Um, and it like, it did cut me once a little bit, but it sounds I was just like, like what the fuck of, is this? Out of saw. It's like, yeah. <laughs> the medieval shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah it, totally. It's a medieval weird. Yeah. I have no idea. idea. Um, I, I, guess it's, I guess it's kind of valuable though, because <laughs> if you wake up and there's sharp objects to your you're head. You're not going to fucking move. Right. Yeah, you're gonna try not to. I mean, because if they're like, if it's like padded or something, yeah, like, and you're like pressing it's into sharp. it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Does it have to be yeah. sharp? They actually know. They're like, it's sharp. Don't move. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah and they say that and where they're, they're like, like yeah, hey, Jesus. don't move. Don't move, bud. These are fucking sharp. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, you wake up. I'm. I'm just. I'm drugged as fuck. I'm like, okay. Yeah. And they're like, all right, we're gonna perform some tests. I'm like, yeah, go ahead. Uh, and I say that I was just like, mm. um, and they're like, okay, now move your hands while saying the alphabet. And I'm doing this, and I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just talking like I'm saying the alphabet. Yeah. Whenever I go wrong, the electrical prodding that they do, they have a thing for that. I don't know what it's called. But whenever they touch a part of my brain, and I say something wrong they don't need they don't know that it's the part they shouldn't touch because that's what is related to my speech so if they prod uh, a wrong place they're like okay don't don't go there so they cross it off and they like make like a map of my brain wherever i fuck up my alphabets or don't move my hands properly Whoa. or move, don't move my feet properly yeah it's, it's weird yeah i was told all, all of this and i was like that's kind of weird but when it happens it's like well um yeah. They spell spell your own name. And I'm like, yeah, okay, that's easy. And then I fuck up my own name, and and they're like, okay, this you shouldn't go there, all right. <laughs> I'm like, did I say that right? <laughs> and wow. you have no idea. Like yeah. your brain doesn't let you know that you're fucking it up. Uh, so what's right, kind of scary? Right. Cause, uh, yeah, that's so like, weird. You might lose any part of. They're like, you might lose a part of your speech or your hand or your leg. 
but hopefully we do well on it. You know, you don't. And I'm like, all right, that's convincing. Uh, all right, let's go. And we did all this, a lot of, uh, lot of tests and uh, with like my fingers and feet and like move your feet foot up and down. And I'm like, all right, this is kind of weird. You, and just like a lot of verbal tests. Do you, do you, do you know um, why... They're doing that. That are they? Are they like doing that to test your mobility and like your speech and like figure out where you know the tumor is and like where they can try to like remove it from without causing damage to mobility yeah, and speech? Yeah, pretty much. They're mapping out what they can't touch. Pretty mm-hmm. much. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's really interesting. And in that surgery, was it just the mapping, or did they did they actually remove tumor? They map out. They can't touch. If I fuck up, if I don't, they can. Okay, okay. And did they did they end up removing? Can't really remove the that tumor because it looks like the fucking brain. So they have no idea where they are going in. Whoa! Crazy. Oh, right. right. Wow. Fuck. That's so wild. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Are vegans actually unhealthy? Does cannabis ruin your sleep? And why are so many men taking testosterone supplements? I'm Mitch. And I'm Greg. And we're the creators of the popular YouTube channel, ASAP Science. Every week on our podcast, Side Note by ASAP Science, we explain the science behind a controversial subject with recent research, up-to-date studies, and ridiculous stories so you are entertained while, bam, simultaneously learning. We're here to make science make sense. Download Side Note by ASAP Science wherever you got your podcasts. There was a Netflix, um, a Netflix series, and I can't remember what it was, but it was like each episode was about like a physician or somebody who is like, um, like doing something really interesting. You put me onto it. I can't remember for the life of me what it was. Magic Mike? <clears throat> no, it wasn't Magic Mike. Um, but they did. Um, there was one doctor who was. Uh, who was like um, a t- he was an oncologist or a, a surgical oncologist, and he was so he's removing tumors, and it was he was like using this um like robot to uh to do to remove tumors, um and I I can't remember if it was from someone's brain or from their gut or something, but it was it he was talking about that challenge of of taking it taking so long to really to to like fuck around with the tissue to be able to tell between the tumor tissue and yeah it was like there's like there is some differences like the tumor tissue is like maybe more fatty and but but you have to kind of fuck around with it and like poke and prod and pull at it to be able to make sure to like to like fuck around with the texture and everything to to really tell because they look Almost lick identical. it, you know, just like give it a little lick, yeah, give it a little lick, Kiss spit it. on it, just, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then uh, and then to go in. And he was saying that this is why some of these <laughs> surgeries can take so long, <laughs> and how you, and how you can end up not 
how how you can end up not getting all of it yeah. because it's right because be, of that exact reason it can be so hard yeah, or they, yeah. or or there can be like it can be growing like into the fold of brain tissue yeah. so you can't like pry it open right. it's like trying to figure out like what's squirt and what's um, <laughs> pee <laughs> yeah yeah just like that Brad. that's, well, that's yeah. where good that's, example yeah yeah that's, that's it. Great example. Yeah. yeah that's it <laughs> that was really the that was the <laughs> what was the imagery that was swimming uh, around my head? Yeah. Uh, Sandy, uh, what was the what was the final <laughs> result from the surgery? That like was it a success? Did I mean obviously you're moving your right hand pretty well, and it seems like you speak pretty okay. Um, did you did they remove like a chunk of tumor or like what what was the end result? They removed like I guess a golf ball size bit of it. I'll say no smaller than that even. Half a golf ball size chunk of my brain and they put that for testing. And that's when you find out what type of tumor it is. So my ends are type B, which is benign. Um, or type 2, if you want to say that. Um, so benign, but possibility of it growing. Uh, stage 1 is it's benign and can be removed. Uh, and 3 and 4 are obviously bad. Uh, so yeah, I was at it too, and I asked if I could have a. So they showed me this uh, cube of transparent liquid with a little chunk of my brain inside it. Wow! And I was like, "Can I have that?" And they were like, "No." Oh, <laughs> oh damn! But I did ask for a video of that surgery, and I got that. I can see my brain being cut. It was quite interesting. I've never really understood why why we're not allowed to have our own brains or limbs or <laughs> yeah, whatever or anything. the fuck. Yeah. Like, yeah. Why, why are, I mean, I, I guess I kind of get like the biohazard issue, <laughs> but also it's like, you're, I'm allowed to go to the store and buy meat. Yeah. So like, you know, yeah, why it's can't like I our, have this at Mike? Why can't oh. I, why can't I take that home and freeze it? It was our, our friend who, uh, uh, got his, like yeah got to keep his like yeah and he but that was a that was a fucking process process yeah, yeah yeah he had to work real hard to get his leg back um yeah it, I don't know. he has his leg like yeah they they on remo- a shelf or like on, yeah. on himself yeah dude they removed his leg from in a surgery that's fucking sick um, <laughs> that's he so got cool. he got hit by a motorcycle he lost his leg they had to they had to like fully amputate and then he that's got his leg sick. back and they and he got a taxidermist to um to like take to like get rid of all the flesh and all the muscle and he has the 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 bone of his leg his entire leg bone and foot uh on a Whoa. mantelpiece like 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 mounted it's fucking <laughs> that's sick. fucking cool yeah yeah it's <laughs> yeah. super cool yeah i love that i mean speaking of turning your body into a piece of art um i'm i i would love to kind of talk to you about your art and your process of using art to kind of manage and 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 express yourself um regarding your like your health whether it's your mental health or or you know the tumor naming it timmy creating its own like character in comic (laughs) so like what have you have you always used art as a as like a form of of processing and a form of therapy i mean that's what art is like you know you express it it's just expression of oneself that's what any art is but uh I guess my way of kind of verb or like I, I 
never used to verbally express anything. I was always like a socially awkward, quiet kid. Um, I was not anymore, but uh, uh, because I was such a quiet, shy person, I never spoke about my mental health. I didn't have any uh, anyone else to talk to uh, about this stuff because uh, Indian parents, first of all, they never take this shit seriously. Like, when I started my comics, it was pretty much just dark humor, like suicide jokes, haha, funny. Um, and I started doing more and more stuff, which kind of, I was like, oh shit, this is like what I'm, you know, what I'm feeling. I'm putting that out there as a comic. Um, and people are resonating with it somehow, mm-hmm. and it's helping them, which makes me feel great. Um, and then my dad's like one day, he just like, come, come here, boy, sit. I'm like, all right, what's up, dad? And he's like, you know, depression is not real. <laughs> it's only oh, wow. in your head. I'm like, all right. <laughs> I blanked out the rest of the conversation. I, I never spoke anything. I just heard him speak. I don't know what he said. Yeah. But uh, like, yeah, of course, it's in your head, but that doesn't mean it's not real. Right. Uh, it's a fucking mental disorder, and uh, yeah. Just like, for the record, I have depression. <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> yes, it is. Good job, <laughs> good job, father. Um, so for the record, I have depression. I used to have a lot of anxiety issues. I still have anxiety, but now it's a lot more manageable. And because I used to be very socially awkward, like me three years ago, or six years ago would never want to be on a podcast ever uh but after seeing like jeremy speak with uh, anthony uh about his condition i was like this dude gets it <laughs> like, i want to be on the podcast fuck uh because when he spoke about death and stuff like that and how you view life mm. um i was like shit you're one of the only people that's ever understood that because when I talk about it to my friends, they're like, oh, that's dark. Don't don't say it like that. That's sad. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no, that's not what I mean. I don't mean it to be sad. I don't mean it to be depressing. Mm-hmm. I see it differently, but I guess no one gets it. And uh, I guess when I heard you say that, I'm like, shit, this dude gets it. And I saw you promoting the podcast. I'm like, I, I got to apply for this. <laughs> that's so cool. I got to be on this. Yeah. yeah. For people who don't know, like this, um, Sandy's referring to an interview that I did with, with uh, Anthony Padilla. That was like, yeah. it might have been a year, year and a half ago, maybe, maybe even two years now. Time, time I think like, two years. Yeah. Yeah. It was like thick of the pandemic for sure. Um, and, uh, and that's, I mean, that's, I, I, I love that. I love that you, that just, just by virtue of hearing that conversation between me and Anthony was yeah. the catalyst to some sort of shift in you in feeling more comfortable in like being open and speaking about what you go through because it's, so vitally important. I mean, that's the entire reason why we do this podcast. Of course, yeah. Um, I I am curious though. Like, what is, what is the, what's the culture like in India when it when it comes to, um, when it comes to things like mental health? Like, what are the conversation? If if any, what are the conversations <laughs> like? You know, obviously, like, um, what your father said about depression. That is not yeah. that is not unlike I think a lot of the older generation here in Canada. Um, even though mm-hmm. even though you know we're seeing like a big shift in the way that mental health is talked about, 
but is it is it a generational thing where where like where you're from or or is there do you feel like there's a broader sense of like misunderstanding surrounding mental health and mental illness in the conversation even amongst your peers um i mean i think recently like the last decade or so has been a lot more open and people are a lot more free minded um separating the boomers out of course uh, they're still um, their their generations kind of very new to everything um yeah including like lgbtq plus uh and like what that means mm-hmm. and they're very clueless about this stuff so i get it because they've been brought up that way um and they're taught not to do certain things and taught not to talk in a certain way about stuff like this so i get that part of it but i think now with like millennials and zoomers and like our generations we're kind of opening up to it a lot more and having conversations about it um uh, there's still of course people who like aren't as educated who won't talk about it or there's the alpha males who you know they're out not to not to speak about your mental health because you're a man and all that mm, shit mm-hmm. that's still happening but it's it's a lot better than it used to be and I think it's just growing. So in in like the last few decades, I think uh, it's going to be a lot better. I think that sounds like really similar. That sounds pretty similar to like the the shift that we've seen mm-hmm. in North America over the past, yeah, mm-hmm. probably about the last decade, for sure over the last yeah. like five, six, seven years. It's been, I'd say around 2015. It seems like I would probably peg that as like a line in the sand mm-hmm. in terms of mm-hmm. like really starting to to like really actively shift um and it's funny because like like yeah you're you're you're, i think you're very right to say like you know that's just the way that is the way that that is the way that our parents generation was raised and brought up and and so those those are going to be very difficult brain pathways to change like it's it it's going to take a lot of reinforcement over a long period of time to alter that way of thinking and then but then at the exact same time like just the way, just that the words that are used to say what your dad said, like it's in your head. And I know we made the joke of it. It's like, yeah, it's in, it's in, it's in my head. And it's like, it's like, and mental health is in your head or mental illness is in your head. The same way that the brain tumor is in your head. It's like, that's where it's, that's is where where it is. That's where the issue is residing. (laughs) And like, and, 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 and it's like, even though I know what he meant means by that, Mm -hmm. you know, from this, from like this different angle, it's like, I think that's probably the, that's probably the shift that we've gone through as a, as a, as a, as as our generation and for sure, for sure, younger generations as well as is realizing like, yes, it is in my head. And I and I'm going to work on trying to make it better mm-hmm. in my head. I, <laughs> I wanted to, yeah. <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to ask Sandy. Um, you you mentioned that you know depression is something that you've you've lived with and anxiety and uh, suicidal thoughts before your um, brain tumor. Uh, I'm curious about that. Something mm-hmm. that really struck me that you said earlier was this this idea that like you a year before your brain tumor diagnosis, you wanted to die. Um, or you felt like you wanted to die and then, you know, you get this sort of diagnosis of something that, you know, does, um, or can, can lead to, um, death. Uh, 
for you, like, what has that experience been like in confronting that that idea around your own mortality, um, going from that sort of ideas that you had a year before to the diagnosis that you mm-hmm. had, and then and then where you are now. Yeah, so I guess before I ever knew about the demon stuff, um, that was just deep depression where, you know, suicidal ideation and you're just thinking about it uh, for a while and talking about it. And uh, at that time, the partner I had never understood depression or like what I'm going through. And she tried, but I was like, it's fine. I'm making her suffer, you know, because of my suffering. So I'm just gonna not include her kind of, which is a bad thing to do. You should talk to your partners about what you're going through. Uh, but I didn't know better. And I just uh, would just go through hard times. And the depression was there for like a long time. I think for half of my childhood, I was uh, depressed and I had to raise myself quite a bit. And I mean, my parents are probably going to hear this uh, if I share it, which I will. Uh I don't know. <laughs> they might listen to this and be like, what the fuck are my kids talking up, you know, uh, about this stuff and never tells me anything. But there are reasons for everything. And uh, yeah, I was super depressed for a long time and I always kept under wraps and started undoing itself. And I started talking a lot more. I mean, the comic about it, talking about the experience and how it went. And that's funny. I was like joking about it. Because it was, it was interesting. And I was like, yeah, everything's great. And uh, weirdly enough, six months after that happened, there was this one day when I had about eight seizures consecutively, just like bad, bad seizures. I couldn't talk. I was just like seizure after seizure. And I was just like, kind of thought I would die. Mm. Maybe I would have if they hadn't called the paramedics and they put me to sleep and I woke up in the hospital bed uh, and they were changing my clothes. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? At the same time, while this was going on, my uh, dog was sick. Uh, I had a dog named Maya. And she was sick uh, for a bit and had this feeling of something's going to happen. But I don't want to confront it, so I didn't think about it. And while I was at the hospital, thinking I would die, but I didn't, um, they did like a, a bunch of tests on me to see if they need to up the dose of my uh, anti-seizure meds uh, and they did this like light test uh, and I fucked up the guy was like uh, what's your full name and I took five seconds to answer and he was like yeah that's that's weird uh, up his meds and I had to stay a day longer so I was like fine I'll stay one more day um, what's the harm and because I stayed that day uh that very night, my dog passed away. Oh. Uh, the night I stayed. And uh, I didn't know. And someone had to stay with me. So my mom was around. Uh, she couldn't go home. But she knew. And she didn't tell me. Mm. Because they didn't want to you know, make it worse for me. Mm-hmm. And the morning, I was supposed to be discharged. Um, and then my dad walks in. And he's like, by the way, Maya died last night. And I'm like, what? Just complete like what yeah, yeah. Like, you're kidding right I, I said that out loud like, you're kidding right he's like no uh, and just processing that 
I just started crying. Like I was just quiet for like fifteen minutes, just thinking, like, what the fuck did you say to me? Mm-hmm. Also, him being like so blunt and saying that out loud. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? And then I started bawling, and my ex was around, my mom was around. They were holding my hand. They were also crying. And I used to go home, and you know, when you have a pet or like a dog, especially your dog, they come and greedy all the time when you enter the house. Yeah. So to enter the house and not have that, just yeah. hit home so hard. I was just like, "Fuck!" Like I just walked in. I'm like, "Okay." And then I went to bed and I cried and I slept and I was just in bed for like a week and I didn't speak to anyone for a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, and going from such a happy high of you know post surgery mental awakening to deep depression over my dog's death was such a huge shift and that's probably like when I started showing bipolar symptoms because mm-hmm. um, I do have bipolar disorder I found out recently that makes very much sense I was just like okay yeah makes sense but uh, that shift of it kind of broke me in a way because I didn't have any emotions after that I was just like dead inside for a while like even when you go out like to you know fucking drink at bars and like just a bunch of friends I like being with them but I'm, I'm just thinking like I don't feel happy right now but they want me to be happy and dance and so I'll like move a bit but I could never like actually be happy and I think that's what led to like a breakup and then I was like what am I doing like what's happening with me and I think eventually that healed. It took a while, but I started to like express a bit more and then feel like bits and pieces of emotion here and there. And like, where where would you say you are now in that journey? Like, um, you know, I, I think I I think when it comes to things like bipolar and depression, anxiety, it's mm-hmm. it's it's never really gone you know like i think i think that it's again like you you kind of you kind of put it it's 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 the ways that we manage those illnesses and and some people can manage it really well and to the to the degree where like it it might feel like it is cured or it is gone um but there are inevitably there are things that happen in life that can very quickly uh lead to a deteriorate deterioration of mental health and that's where like that's where that that yeah that skill comes in in like managing it in those moments when things get really tough so it sounds like from from where we are here it sounds like you're still in that journey of trying to like figure out the ways to manage and and to like get a grasp on the things that you're doing um you know with the use of your art with the use of with the use of medication um so like, where do you feel like, where do you feel like you are at in your journey when it comes to your mental health right now? So in conversation with my therapist, she was like, you're doing really well for someone that has um, bipolar disorder and like depression. Um, you just need to have ways to regulate it and have uh, just things that you do every day that make you feel kind of like distractions, you need to have more distractions and things that make you happy. And like I learned that being with my friends around them 
makes me really happy mm-hmm. like i don't really think about depression or anything like that when i'm with them so she was like blood more go go out more um just be around them uh find your way to what makes you happy what kind of makes you calm mm-hmm. find that and try and do it more often um and yeah you'll have shit days you'll have absolutely horrible days that's inevitable that's just going to happen um but you live through it you just learn to live through it mm-hmm. shit will happen but also like you have days where you're happy that you're still here yeah mm-hmm. and, and in- those days are worth you know more than anything mm-hmm. what would you say is the biggest thing that you're what would you say is the biggest thing that your brain tumor has taken away from you? Hmm. Time, uh, perhaps, you know, I don't see long-term plans. It has, uh, like I was supposed to apply for my master's right before I found out. Um, like right before I had surgery even. I was thinking about, you know, where to apply. I was looking at colleges. And then I found out and I'm like, oh, fuck, I have to, you know, stay here for like a few more years mm-hmm. and be under surveillance and whatever else that needs to happen. So that chunk of time was lost and a lot of shit happened that I, that I hate, like shit that I, like no one would want in their life, but also um, wonderful things happened and like, um i met my partner who i'm with right now i met amazing people mm. and i mentioned this to my therapist and she sees it as a bad thing but i'm like i live for people not really for for myself as well but only because i have people around me and people who love me mm. and people that i love um if without them i wouldn't want to you know be here or give a shit about life but they make life worth living. So I want to, you know, be here for them. Mm. Um, she's like, oh no, that's kind of bad. You should live for yourself. And I'm like, I do. Uh, <laughs> I take care of myself. I try to be the best version of myself. Um, and I'm, I'm still growing. I'm still learning a lot of things. Um, but yeah, right now, like a lot of my friends are like leaving for college or jobs and different countries, different states. So it's been hard. Uh, but I'm like whoever's here I'm spending time with them because I'm gonna probably leave by September and then I still have friends there but I'll miss the people here and that's just a part of growing up where you like you know your friend group kind of dissipates into different parts of the world or different areas and you don't see them as much and that's just part of I guess being an adult but they're still your friends. Um, and that, that's the best part. Of course, always will be. You know, in different places of the world, it's that's what makes uh that's what makes traveling to those different places that much more yeah. sweet. Totally. Like, yeah. Well, absolutely. What, what would you say is the biggest thing that your brain tumor has given you? Hmm. It has probably made me the person I am today. And uh like I I appreciate this person because um, I wouldn't have been this unless I had that experience of having a brain tumor and going through all that shit for five years. 
um, like shit happens, but whatever happened has changed me in a way that I appreciate. And uh, I've grown a lot as a human being and as an artist. So I guess uh, myself is something I appreciate that the tumor has done for me. <laughs> Well, Sandy, I, I got to say, this has been a real, a real treat to be able to sit down and talk to you about your experiences. And again, I, I want to just say that, you know, I feel really grateful that, um, that the conversation that I had with Anthony went on to bring us together to have this conversation. Um, because I feel... Yeah, I mean, the I, connections that happen... Yeah, it's I mean it's beautiful. I like I it I really goes a long way, you know. I I love that we got to meet and I love that we got to have this conversation. Um No, me and, too. And I I I mean this when I say this. Like your 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 art is amazing. It's it really is it really is something um for folks that want to I I mean Thank I I'll, I'll say it here Sans Serif Comics on Instagram at Sans Serif Comics on Instagram. Um please go check it out. But where, where can people find you? Like get, give yourself a plug. Where's, where would you direct people to go find your work? Because it is, it's, it's so endearing. It's, it's so, it's just so lovely. Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, so yeah, Sansar of comics on Instagram. I have uh, Sansar of draws, which is more of my illustration work. Uh, I'm still working on that. And yeah, just Sansar of for, pictures of my face <laughs> yeah no, nothing else uh, nothing else yeah I, I'm just glad to be here and glad to be able to talk to you guys don't really want to plug myself <laughs> well thank you thank you so much Sandy this has been this has been really fun mm-hmm. Well, there you go, folks. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. As always, we are coming at you Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And if you are a fan of the podcast and you want to support the podcast, there's a number of ways you can do that. First of all, you can leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. We love reading them. You can simply rate the podcast on the Spotify mobile app, if that's where you're listening. Or if you want to join the conversation, hop on over to our Discord. The link is in the show notes of this episode. And uh, we have a lovely little community over there of sickos and non-sickos all hanging out, chatting. And uh, hey, you could even help produce the podcast over there if you want. You can, again, find that link in the show notes below. Sick Boy Podcast is produced and co-hosted by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Taylor McGilvery, and Brian Stever. The show is managed by Jeffrey Lonis over at Talent Bureau. The sound design of this episode is brought to you by Donovan the CPAP Morgan. And of course, the theme music is from the band Take Part. That is it for this week. I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.